More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Today on More to Life, dealing with addictions. Is someone you care about dealing with an addiction to drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, or other compulsive behaviors? Not sure what to do next? Let us help you help them. 877-573-7825. Have a great marriage and family and personal life. Well, the theology of the body reveals how you can actually achieve it. More to life. The happiest couples know how to say I do to each other every moment of every day. Surprising. Relevant. Angela, let's not just settle for stopping your son's behavior. Exactly. Let's talk about the kind of young man you want to raise. Practical, theology of the body-based answers for every part of your life. God's original blueprint didn't include depression and anxiety. Yeah, that's a human invention. God wants to set you free. Let's talk about making that happen. The life you were meant to live through the theology of the body. More to life. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. I'm Lisa Popchak. And today on More to Life, dealing with addictions. You know, it's a call that we get pretty often, actually, when, when people are trying to help someone they care about who is struggling with an addiction of some kind, whether that's an addiction to drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, or other compulsive behaviors. It's hard to know how to offer help that's actually helpful. And if you're in a relationship with someone you care about who is struggling with an addiction of some sort, give us a call at 877-573-7825. Let us help you help them. Again, the number 877-573-7825. And you know, you named some of the, the big ones that you know really stand out, but I think so many of us deal with addictions ourselves or someone in our life that has some kind of addictive behavior whether that is you know these these very large ones that you're talking about Greg or you know gaming being on the internet too much eating exercising can be a huge addiction for people that can get unhealthy and can take time away from relationships you know everything in moderation is something that we can you know discern as we go is this healthy is this right is this a near occasion of sin but once we get into a pattern and for a lot of us it starts with trying to find some kind of comfort in a scary uncomfortable world and we we fall into certain patterns we fall into certain relationships or friendships and suddenly we find ourselves instead of having something that comforts us in some way falling into things that are either outright grave sin or things that can become truly troublesome that you would never as i said things like exercising eating things that we don't think of as something that just stands out as wow you know this is something that's a huge public problem that becomes something that that makes us a less than our best self and b gets in the way of our relationships with god and other people and it's hard to know how to help someone who's yes. dealing with those kinds of problems because a lot of times the, the the usual ways of helping don't work and that's what we're talking about today on more to life how can you be helpful to someone you care about who is struggling with an addiction or a compulsive behavior, 
um, in ways that are actually helpful. Give us a call. That number is 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. And also, how do you help yourself? How do you care for yourself in the midst of a relationship that involves somebody who's dealing with an addiction? So do you care about someone who's dealing with an addiction of some kind? Are they abusing drugs or alcohol? Do they have an addiction to porn or gambling or other compulsive behaviors? Is your relationship with them being affected negatively? Have your efforts to help them been unsuccessful or maybe even made it worse? Alternatively, perhaps you are the one who is struggling to quit and not sure what to do next. Either way, let us help you learn how to cooperate with God's grace to find the next steps toward healing for that person, yourself, and your relationship. 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. Every day on More to Life, we take a look at the topic of the day through the lens of St. John Paul's Theology of the Body. And if you're not sure what that is, uh, when St. John Paul was Pope, he gave a series of reflections over the course of five years uh, where he looked at how we can discover God's plan for living a more abundant life and having healthier, holier relationships by prayerfully contemplating God's design and creation and specifically our bodies. The theology of the body reminds us that we were created for communion and that we're destined for wholeness and that God wants us to live in peace. Addictions undermine all of this by causing a person to settle for the illusion of these things rather than pursuing the reality of the things in their life. Whether the addiction involves chemicals or behaviors, the addict ends up creating a false god, a god of avoidance that he or she loves above everything and everyone else. As the addiction progresses, the person is willing to sacrifice everything to this false god, their happiness, their relationships, ultimately even their health, their well-being, and possibly their soul. Helping somebody with an addiction is especially challenging because, you know, most of the time being helpful means being gentle and patient, uh, giving the other person more chances. Uh, being even more understanding in the face of another person's struggles. But because addictions are ultimately about avoidance, they actually feed on those behaviors. They take advantage of other people's desire to be generous and forgiving, and they use it to grow. That's why it's important to remember what the theology of the body says about authentic love needing to be responsible as opposed to just reactive. In other words, the theology of the body reminds us that loving someone doesn't mean just doing what feels loving in the moment or seems loving in the abstract. It means consciously and intentionally choosing to do whatever actually helps us work for the ultimate good of the other person. So instead of just asking ourselves what feels loving, we have to prayerfully ask God to teach us to do the things that will actually produce good fruit in the life of the other person. So loving, with, loving somebody with an addiction requires a different set of behaviors than does loving almost anyone else. When we're dealing with an addict, uh, whether that's uh, somebody who's addicted to chemicals or, or has an addictive behavior, we have to choose the actions that will make it harder and harder for that person to avoid dealing with their problems. 
That means loving the addicted person means being clear about boundaries, enforcing consequences, and choosing sometimes tough but always clear loving actions over words. Today on More to Life, we're talking about how can we help those people we care about who are struggling with drugs or alcohol or pornography addiction or gaming addiction or other food addiction or any other behaviors that are affecting their well-being, undermining your relationship, causing tension. We want to help you help them be more effective in those grace-filled solutions and actions that, that really enable you to work for the ultimate good of the people that you care about, especially those who are struggling with addictions of some sort. 877 573 7825. Again, that number is 877 573 7825. Let's take our concerns to the Lord, and then we'll start taking your calls. In the name of the Father, Father the, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we come into your presence and we bring to you all the people we care about who are struggling with addictive behaviors or compulsive behaviors. We ask you to help us know how best to be helpful. Help us to remember what your servant St. John Paul taught about what it means to be loving and that loving means working for the ultimate good of another person and choosing those actions that, that bring out the best in them even if that sometimes requires us to be strong or tough. Give us the resolve that we need, the perseverance, the fortitude, the strength and the compassion that enables us to respond charitably but effectively to the addictive behaviors that people we care about might be showing so that we can grow in your strength and grace and the Holy Spirit can use us to be instruments of strength and grace in the lives of those we care about. We ask all of this through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and in the name of the Father and the, the Son, Son and, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pope St. John Paul the Great. Pray for us. Today on More to Life, the show is titled Dealing with Addictions. And do you care about somebody who is struggling with an addiction of some kind, uh, whether they're abusing drugs or alcohol or they have a behavioral addiction to pornography, gambling, gaming, um, food, or other compulsive behaviors? If your relationship with that person is being negatively affected, if your efforts to help them have been either unsuccessful or maybe even made things worse, we want to help. Alternatively, if you're the person who's struggling to quit that behavior and you're not sure what to do next, we want to help you too. Either way, let us help you discover grace-filled ways to the next steps for healing in your life or the lives of those you care about. 877-573-7825. If you're listening to the More to Life podcast, you can also send us your questions via email. That address is questions at more2liferadio.com. That's with the number two, questions at more2liferadio.com. Let's talk now with Ginger, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Florida on Sirius XM 130. Hi, Ginger. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on? Hi. Good morning. Um, this is an odd addiction. It, it involves a lady who's a shut-in. And I've been trying to help her by getting groceries. Mm-hmm. And um, over the last six months since I first encountered her, it has turned into, it's not really groceries that she needs. She, she does need groceries. She cannot get them on her own. 
Um, but she's she's becoming in a in a kind of a I don't know passive aggressive way maybe very demanding very manipulative very um, oh and I also need this go back and get this oh and I also need that go back and get that oh and uh, you got the wrong thing here I can't eat that one and you know it, it seems like what she really wants is attention and somebody sure. to listen to all of her complaints which is fine except that it's becoming i hate to use the term because it's kind of a catchphrase it's becoming toxic and mm. when i've asked other people at church or agencies or camp campus ministry the nun that runs that um places like elder care services she's run out of options because she's already burned all those bridges by wearing people out oh that's <laughs> she needs fascinating home care and she keeps complaining to me that the home health care people never come anymore. And I can see the reason she needs them. And they just don't come. Now, sometimes I wonder how much she's telling me the truth. But on the other hand, I know at least some of it's true. And I, I just her, her addiction, if you want to call it that, her obsession, yeah. is complaining about everything that is wrong with her and with the world and with things that she's tried and other people who have tried to help her and any kind of suggestion that I make, it, it turns into a tirade sure. of why that's such a, a bad thing to do, whether it's using a grocery service that would deliver for free or whether it's um, considering uh, an assisted living situation and, 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 oh, if I go and buy the wrong crackers at the grocery store it's a tirade about why these are so bad for me i can't eat these i can't eat that so it it just everything is and yeah the nun said no i can't ask the students to do this anymore because okay Okay. all right so let me ask you how can we help you i mean i think i think i get a sense of the situation i can talk to that a little bit more but 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 go how can we help you i feel like um continuing to buy her groceries is enabling her to stay home and not get the real care that she needs. I think she it, needs. Is she able to get her own groceries? Or, you know, I mean, yes, yeah, so obviously she does. She, she does need. She's to a wheelchair. She, she's a partial amputee, and the remaining limb is covered mm-hmm. with bloody bandages all the time because the home health care people don't come and change them frequently enough. Wow. Okay. And she does complain about that. So she does need medical care. All right. Well, let me let me throw out a couple of things. Let me throw out a couple of things. Just just the interest of time here, because I want to make sure that we, we I can give you some feedback before they have make us take the break. Um, so, I mean, what you're describing, you know, um, is not specifically an addiction, but it certainly is compulsive and it is destructive. Obviously, it's it's causing her to burn a lot of bridges, as you said. Um, I I think that it's good for you to be able to, you know provide the, the grocery help that you are that said you're not supposed to be her end all and be all and that that's kind of what's happening here you know she's she's using her complaints um her requests as a way of trying to draw you in and, and have be connected to somebody this is this is a person who really doesn't know how to build relationship in a healthy way and so in, in a sense her her love language is being the sort of 
needy complaining person because at first at least when i complain about something or when i'm needy about something that that draws kind people in um and and so if i don't know how to have a healthy relationship with good people i'll I'll adopt these kind of manipulative behaviors to, to bring them in and that's of course not healthy and you're right i think you do need to set some boundaries i would ask you to kind of prayerfully consider you know what you can do for this woman and really limit it to that you know you don't have to pick up the phone every time she calls if she if she complains about the crackers that you bought for her you can say well you know this was what i was able to do for you this week um if you want to change that you can contact a grocery service and have them deliver something or next week when i come on x day and you're only going one day a week or one day every two weeks whatever that is i will add that to the list give me the list i'll fulfill the list that's what I can do. If, if it would be helpful for you to tell her um, when you would be available to take calls from her. So, for example, you could say, you know, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm really busy. I'd love to talk to you more, but I can only really make the time on this day and at this time. If you call me then and you need something, you can, you can reach out to me then. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to take your call. Not because I don't care about you, but just because I have so much going on that this is really the only time I can give you. So you're being very clear with her about when it's okay for her to reach out to you and what it's okay for you for her to lean on you f- about. And then you don't and you and you and you let your behavior set the boundaries for everything else. So you're not allowing yourself to be taken advantage of and and buying into the compulsive, complaining and needy behavior she's displaying. Um, I'm a little confused about the home health thing uh, because that's not a matter of choice. So if, for example, if a doctor you know, uh, orders home health services, th- unless she rejects them, you know, unless she doesn't answer the door uh, or refuses to cooperate in some way, they're obliged to be there. So I'm not sure what's going on with her saying they don't show up. Or, uh, I, if you're concerned about that, then I would suggest that you contact el- elder services in your county. Um, people often don't know about this. Uh, that we know, we, everybody knows about children's services, but they don't know about elder services. And um, they they will send a social worker to do a wellness evaluation and, and do a resource evaluation and, and to advocate for her with the home health agency or find out what's really going on. Um, but that's a serious thing what you're describing. So I would encourage you to make that report so that you know so that they can follow up. But that's not your job to take care of it all. So Ginger, I, I you know I'm I'm grateful to you for being willing to step in and and help this woman. Uh, in whatever limited ways you're able to but that's not a call for you to be the be all and end all for her and to meet all of her needs and and be there for all of her relationship stuff be very clear with her about what you can provide and when you can be available and then don't do any other uh, any other other things just tell her how she could meet those needs herself and let her know when she could reach you and don't pick up any other times otherwise you end up feeding that so hopefully that allows you to continue to be generous and, and do charitable service for this woman without making the problem worse. Ginger, thank you so much for the call. With that, we have to go to break, but we are taking your calls today on our show titled Dealing with Addictions as we talk about helping the people in our life that we care about who are struggling with either addictions to drugs or alcohol or compulsive behaviors like gambling, pornography, gaming, uh, food, other issues that are destroying their lives, uh, negatively affecting your relationship with them, and, and causing you to feel frustrated because you don't know how to be helpful in ways that are actually helpful. Give us a call. The number is 877-573-7825. Again, that number is 877-573-7825. More to Life will continue right after the break.
He was a doctor of the church and one of the most famous saints of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Augustine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, but he balanced his genius with humility. Once declared it was pride that changed angels into devils, it is humility that makes men as angels. He died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. We are the pro-life generation, passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all health care options are equally pro-life, and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic health care ministry, providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their health care choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. Thank you for joining us today on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, and today on More to Life, we're talking about dealing with addictions. Someone you care about dealing with an addiction to drugs or alcohol uh, or behaviors like pornography, gambling, gaming, food, other things, other compulsive behaviors. If you're not sure what to do next, let us find graceful ways to help you help them. The number 877-573-573. 7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. If you're listening to the More to Life podcast, shoot your questions to us via email. The address is questions at moretoliferadio.com. Let's talk now with Ashley, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Nebraska on Spirit Catholic Radio. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to More to Life. What can we do for you? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. So Mm -hmm. I have a dear friend who has a daughter in her late teens who is addicted to hurting herself. Um, burning, cutting, you name it. She's been Mm -hmm. in and out of treatment several times, sometimes up to 90 days, and inpatient. And Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, like, how do I support my friend? Because the daughter has finally admitted she has an addiction to doing this and she can't stop. And my friend is just at her wit's end. I mean, you know, constantly in the emergency room, dealing with infections as a result of the daughter hurting herself. What kind of help is your friend getting for herself? Well, that's a good question. She is a very devout Catholic. She's a great person, and she goes to daily Mass, and she prays, and I pray with her. Um, And they've done family therapy in the past with the daughter, but I don't think they're currently doing anything. And so it's like, what what do I say to her? How do I encourage her to do things for herself, or how can I support her when she's Mm -hmm. going through all of this, other than just being a sympathetic ear to listen? 
Okay, thank you for the question, and, and that's you know that that is of course the the most important thing that you can do. But I, you know, and, and for folks who are listening and saying, well, that that's not an addiction. It, it actually it is a compulsive behavior that that does have some addictive components to it. Um, when somebody is self harming, um, it, it releases endorphins in the body, um, the you know the, our natural pain relievers, which causes a kind of a chemical uh, addiction to that 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 feeling that high that you can get. Uh, when you've hurt, when you're hurt, and your body is responding to that and trying to anesthetize you from that pain, um, what I would, I'm glad that the daughter is admitting that she needs help. This behavior is 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 al- almost always, especially when we're talking about teenagers, is all is is always a cry for help. It's always saying, "Look, there's a problem here that people are, that care about me and care for me aren't willing to look at." Um, and and so this is what I, I have to set my life on fire, almost literally in this case, to, to get the people who care about me to notice. And and you know it may it doesn't that doesn't mean that mom and dad don't care about her. It it, it means though that they might be caring in a way that's not coming across, or that this this child needs things that the family isn't aware of or isn't able to provide. Uh, and and so in addition to whatever support the daughter is getting, your friend really does need to be doing. Ideally, family therapy and continuing to do that as long as this problem exists. I, I, I am, you know, I understand that they did some of that before, but really, as long as this problem is going on, they need to be getting help as a family. Ideally, uh, at the very least, your friend needs to be doing some individual counseling to understand how best to help her daughter. This is not something that they can just deal with on their own. And, you know, and I'm grateful that she's a prayerful and devout woman. What I always remind our listeners is that, you know, prayer is how we fill up the tank in our sort of spiritual car but if we've got flat tires or the engine is damaged in some way that no matter how much you fill the tank the car is still not going to go down the road or not go down the road the way it needs to Uh, and so as long as somebody is dealing with these kinds of issues one ideally family therapy is is really the treatment of choice because especially teenagers teenagers do not do well in individual therapy Um, there's there's tons of research on that um, it almost always needs family support because even even in the best situations, the teens will either uh, underreport the problem or they'll, you know, they won't talk about the things they need to talk about in session or they they struggle to follow through effectively. They need the, the that that structure of support and accountability around them. Um, and so again, I would really encourage you um, to encourage them to, to go back to family therapy. And at the very least, encourage your friend to be getting some individual help for, for how to best support her daughter in all of this. Because it's very easy to, to say, hey, the kid's the one with the problems. She's the one who's hurting herself. She's the one who's doing... That's what we call an identified patient. That's somebody who's willing to kind of be the symptom bearer for the problems in the whole family situation. So, Ashley, thank you so much for the call. Continue to be that supportive listening ear. But please do encourage your, your friend to be getting help for herself. We'll be back with your calls coming up right after this. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. How are we treating God? Are we treating him like a magic wand, a rabbit's foot, only going to him when we need something? The results if we don't stay in a relationship with God, and I know this from personal experience, much of the suffering that I had in my life has been brought on by my own stupid mistakes. We have to have God front and center of our life every day. As Father Michael Schmidt says, we're all called to be saints. We have to stand up and fight. We can't just grab God when we need something. He's not a slot machine. Putting coins in, then pulling the one-armed bandit and expecting to win a big prize. We have to have that relationship with God so we can truly do His will and be truly happy. So follow Him, not just once in a while. 
but every single moment. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Who may officiate at a wedding ceremony in the Catholic Church? According to the Catechism in the Latin tradition, a priest or a deacon are the Church's authorized ministers who preside over the ceremony and receive the consent of the two spouses in the name of the Church and give them the blessing of the Church. It is the presence of the ministers as well as the spouses which visibly expresses the fact that the marriage is an ecclesial reality. The Church normally requires that the faithful contract marriage according to the ecclesiastical form because sacramental marriage is a liturgical act, so it ought to be celebrated in the public liturgy of the Church. Marriage is a state of life in the Church, so certainty about it is a necessity. Preparation for marriage is of prime importance, says the Catechism, citing the example and teaching of parents and families as a special form of this preparation. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Hi, I'm Lisa Popchek. Take a moment to measure your stress level right now on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 or 2 means you're completely relaxed. 5 means you've got some concerns, but you're mostly feeling good. At 8, you're getting angry. And at 10, you're feeling and acting outraged. This little exercise is something happily married couples regularly do. They monitor their emotional temperature so they can take steps to lower it before it gets too high. You see, when your temperature gets higher than a 7, cortisol and adrenaline flood your body, shutting down the rational problem-solving part of your brain. And when that happens, your response is likely to make the situation worse, not better. Happily married couples recognize this and take responsibility for regulating their own emotional temperature. They don't blame their spouse for their poor reaction. They realize they're the only one who can control that. If you struggle with regulating your emotional temperature, take heart in the fact that police officers, firefighters, and others have learned to control their response in really stressful situations. And you can too. To learn how, check out our book, How to Heal Your Marriage and Nurture Lasting Love. Or, if you want more personalized, faith-filled help, visit catholiccounselors.com. Welcome back, folks. You are listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. I'm Lisa Popchak. And today's show is titled, Dealing with Addictions. Is someone you care about dealing with an addiction to drugs or alcohol or a compulsive behavior with like, like pornography, gambling, gaming, other problem behaviors, where, and you're not sure what to do next? We want to help you help them. Give us a call, 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. Let's talk now with our next caller who's listening to EWTN Radio in Iowa. Anonymous in Iowa, welcome to More to Life. What can we do for you? Hi, thank you for taking my call. So my mm-hmm. husband and I have been married for 38 years. He's a wonderful husband, wonderful father, very hardworking. But over the last probably six or seven years, he has continued to drink after work and drink in the evenings. And... I find it more and more 
that when we're out in social situations, he cannot say no. He cannot say this is enough. You know, a lot, sometimes I'll, ha- I mean, very frequently I have to drive home. I, you know, I just have to really figure out ways to kind of, and, I, and I'm kind of in a high-profile position in the community, so it, kind of, it worries me sometimes when he is drinking. And so, you know, just even this week I came home and he had been drinking when I was not, you know, before I'd gotten home. And, and you know, he's just like, oh, I've only had one beer. And he gets defensive about it, and then he starts, you know, deferring blame. And I'm not without understanding of this. I come from a health and human services background in the past, but I really feel at a loss of how to deal with him and with our relationship in a constructive way. I, you know, try to tell him that it's, you know, I'm I'm concerned for his health. You know, we, we're getting older. We're not, a, we're not as young as we used to be. And, yeah. and I, I just really do worry about him and his, and, you know, the potential of this addiction. And are there any are there any concrete things you've tried to do to to, to 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 get him to see the problem or or to get help? You mean like going to counseling or anything like that? Yeah, well, yeah, either going to counseling or or you know talk when you talk to him about getting that kind of help. What does he say? I mean, is it just oh I don't have a problem? You're the one with the problem, kind of thing. Oh or what? yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And no, I would I have not recommended that he get seek um, outside assistance. From this. You, you haven't. He's a, he's a devout man. I have not. No. Mm-mm. Okay. And, and why is that? What's what's stopping you from doing that? Nick, I think that that would really set him off. Not that he's a volatile man. He's not. But I mean, I I think is the best time to do that when it's not in that situation because certainly when he's drinking and we can't talk about that. And so, right. and even when I, you know, I bring up. Yeah, I, I'm concerned about, you know, you drinking after work and stuff. On off hours, he does get defensive, and he kind of shakes his head like it's not an issue. And he'll say, like, I, okay. I looked it up. I can have two or three beers a night. Yeah. Well, look, let's go back to what we said in our reflection today. Um, you know, uh, uh, addictions are, spiritually speaking, um, creating a false god of avoidance. That, you know, and I'm going to worship that God of avoidance no matter what. And I'm going to love that false God more than the people in my life and more than my life itself. I, I'm, addictions are always about avoidance. So when you, when you talk to somebody charitably about their addiction to you know, that false God, that worship of that false God of avoidance, they're just going to avoid it, right? Because that's what it's all about. The person who's struggling with addiction is basically saying, you know, there are, there are things in my life I don't know how to handle and I don't know how to get away from them. So I'm, I'm going to drink or I'm going to drug or I'm going to do these compulsive behaviors that, that, that give me a way to avoid the things I don't know how to face. So the, the first step is saying, well, well, first step is realizing that he's never going to agree that he has a problem. Uh, because this is all about avoidance. And that's actually the, 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 the thing about addictions. You know, addictions are never a problem for the addict. They're, as far as the addict is concerned, they, have, they found the solution. You're the problem <laughs> as far as the addict is concerned, right? Uh, and, and that's why addictions are so hard to treat. Because as far as the addict is concerned, they found a solution. And you're trying to take it away from them. And so they're never going to cooperate with you. They're never going to admit they have a problem. They're never going to seek help willingly because as far as they're concerned they found the solution you're the problem so that's the first step you you, you know you, you can't expect somebody who is abusing alcohol uh, or really anything to to 
willingly agree that they have a problem and, and then go get help. The, the only way they do that is if they're forced, really. And so that's why you have to not be afraid to aggravate him and to irritate him or to, or to cause him to blow up even. As, as long as you feel safe, like you said, he's not, he's not physically dangerous, but, but, but he can be volatile. And that's typical. Um, the, the, the alcoholic um, or you know, anybody with an addiction will become defensive at first, then they'll become hostile. They'll do whatever they can to throw you off the trail. So what you have to do is say, look, I'm, I'm not asking you if this is a problem. I'm telling you it's a problem. It's making you unavailable. It's, it's causing you to be erratic. It's making you not be able to participate in family activities or not be here for me the way I need you to be. I'm not asking whether you have a problem. I'm telling you this is a serious problem for me, for your family, and I can see it's affecting you too. So I'm willing, we can go get help together by, by seeking marital counseling to address this behavior. Um, you can be going to AA uh, or Catholics in Recovery. You could be, you know, getting individual therapy if that's what you want to do. Um, but this is a problem. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Um, and secondly, notice how I did this. It's, you're not debating whether the drinking is a problem. You're saying, here are the behaviors I'm seeing, right? Uh, you're, for, you're, you're, you're acting in ways that are embarrassing in public. You're not available to talk to me when I need you. You're not available to participate in the things that we do as a family. You are, your emotions are erratic, and your behavior is erratic and volatile. I, you know, you, um, you know, the, I'm not asking whether you're the drinking is a problem. I'm saying when you drink, this is how this is how you act, and those things are a problem. And you can either we can either get help for that, or I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Now that's I'm not suggesting divorce. What I'm saying is though that you, you when you're dealing with an addict, um, you have to be clear, and and let them know that that if you if if you're willing to stand with them, if they're willing to work with you and get help, but if they're not, that you can't have them around and support their destructive behaviors, behaviors that are destroying their life and yours. The most loving thing you can do with an addict is be that clear, that this is a problem. I am willing to work with you if you're willing to get help. If you're not, you're going to have to leave because I can't have this in my home. I can't watch you destroy yourself. I love you too much. Loving somebody means making the hard choices that, that really challenge them to do what's right and do what's good and do what's healthy. And so I, I want you to overcome that fear of confronting your husband about this and, and being direct, not just with words, but, but with the consequences. And if any of this is sort of terrifying you, as, I, as well it may be, uh, then I really encourage you to start by getting help for yourself. And this is something that we do a lot of work with in the, in the pastoral counseling practice, helping faithful people how faithful spouses like yourself know how to set these boundaries in a way that are still respectful of the integrity of the marriage and the sacredness of marriage, but really be able to still work for your spouse's good and your own sanity and, and the sanity of your children um, while setting those boundaries and, and challenging your husband to be the healthy, holy, godly man he's called to be. Now, I will say this. I strongly encourage you to get on this now. And I think a lot of our your fellow listeners would say the same. This is moving towards something that will be harder and harder for him to step back from. So put these things into place now before it becomes so much harder to walk back from here. This can be changed, but the sooner the yeah. better. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, you know, and, and I'll just clarify one other thing too. Um, you know, People who struggle with a problem will often say, well, I'm not addicted. I'm not, I'm not an addict. And that doesn't really matter. 
Um, again, the most important thing is what I was just sharing with our caller. It's the behaviors that come from doing the thing. You know, if, if they are using a substance or a behavior in a way that's causing them to do destructive things, to do things that are unhealthy for them, that are unhealthy for their relationships, that aren't prevent, that are preventing them from following through on their commitments, then it is a problem whether it's an addiction or not. That said, there are generally speaking three stages of problem be compulsive behavior. So the first stage is abuse. You know, that's the weekend warrior, right? This is a person who's, who maybe functions, but then they go out and they, they, get, they get completely drunk on the weekends because that's their way of having fun. Or whatever the addiction is. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's abuse. Um, then there's dependency. And that's where I'm not physically addicted to the thing, but I need it mentally in order to do the thing. I can't have fun unless I've had a couple of drinks. I can't deal with this problem unless I've had a drink. I can't do X, Y, or Z unless I've done the addictive thing. That's dependency. Addiction is when your body craves the thing, when you you know can't go a certain period of time without you know giving that another dose of that thing to your body because it starts to break down. And again, that doesn't have to be a chemical. It can be a behavior because there are chemical reactions to those behaviors. So you know, so just so that you understand that 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 you know the person doesn't have to be addicted to have a problem with a thing. Um, and when you're confronting them, it's best not to just not to confront the behavior itself. It's best to confront the behaviors that come from the addictive behavior, their inability to participate in a relationship, their inability to follow through on commitments, their, their tendency to do destructive things to themselves or others. Um, those are the things you want to confront the person about, not argue about whether the drinking is or, or other behaviors are serious or not. All right. With that, we have to go to break, but as we head out, it's time for our scripture of the day, which comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Encouraging words from St. Paul, reminding us that it's, it's not easy that dealing with all kinds of temptations, compulsive behaviors, addictions, is very, very, very hard. But there is hope. And with the right kind of help, we can overcome our addictions, and we can help our loved ones who are struggling with those addictions. But first, we have to not just do what comes naturally to us, but bring those situations to God and ask him to teach us how to be loving in ways that will enable us to bring out the best in that person. And when you're dealing with addictions, that almost always means being tougher than you think you should. It means setting boundaries, not relying on words, being very clear about expectations, uh, and, and, and not asking whether they have a problem, but describing the problem that they have and insisting that they get help for it. All right, we're taking your calls on our show today titled Dealing with Addictions, 877-573-7825. Are you in a relationship with someone who is struggling with some kind of addictive behavior, give us a call, 877-573-7825. More to Life will continue in just a minute. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and then it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. 
the church has a very high view of conscience. It's, I think it was St. John Henry Newman who called conscience the aboriginal vicar of Christ. The Catechism reads this way on conscience. The interior voice of a human being within whose heart the inner law of God is inscribed. Moral conscience is a judgment of practical reason about the moral quality of a human action. It moves a person at the appropriate moment to do good and to avoid evil. It offers some suggestions uh, the Ten Commandments, the moral teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, the moral teachings of St. Paul. All of these things are used as a measure of how well we're doing. It is then up to the Catholic to take a look at the teaching of the church and to see if in fact they are in proper communion. The idea that you can dispense with the objective moral teachings of the church in favor of personalized conscience is lawless and anarchic. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Want more tips for living a more joyful, abundant life through the gift of the theology of the body? Well, and follow us on Facebook at More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa and on Twitter and Instagram at Catholic Counselors. We'll see you there. Thank you for joining us today on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popcheck. I'm Dr. Greg Popcheck, and today's show is titled Dealing with Addictions. Who's our next caller, Lisa? Let's talk now to Maria, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Mississippi on the Ave Maria Radio app. Hi, Maria. Welcome to More to Life. What can we do for you? Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm a single mom, uh, three kids. The youngest is a ninth grader, 15-year-old. He's the one that's uh, front and center. Um, he's got an addiction with electronics. I can't get him to take uh, responsibility for his behavior and do other things. Um, when I try to confiscate his phone, he uh, just will he will just explode and can't function unless he has electronics in his hand. So Is he your oldest? Going count, he's going to count. Yeah, uh, my youngest, my 15-year-old. Your youngest, excuse me. Okay, so sorry. He, that's right. So uh, he goes to a Catholic school. I'm trying to surround him with uh, people with good behavior. He likes the school. He just mm-hmm. told me today he doesn't believe in God and uh, he doesn't want to go to communion anymore. He's just going to get a blessing. Okay. So I've got some huge defiance going on here. And, um, Maria, you um, said that, that told- did you say that you're both going to counseling or he's going to counseling? To, you started to say that and I interrupted well, you. I'm sorry. So uh, he, we're doing individual counseling. And so uh, we had. When you say we're, you mean you're both you're in counseling as well as he is in counseling individually, or you, or, or he's in counseling? That's, just that, that's correct. That's correct. We have our individual counselors, no family okay. counseling now. Okay. So uh, I told his counselor yesterday that either um, Noah, uh, uh, my son, comes up with uh, um, changing his uh, his willingness to change his pattern, or I'm going to send him back to live with his father, who I. Arguably, is a narcissist, and that's why we're separated and, and divorced and annulled. 
So okay. the ball is in his court. I don't know. I don't seem to have enough. His court? You mean your son? Parenting skill? Uh, I'm sorry? You, you said the ball's in your son's court? Yes. Uh, his counselor said the, the ball is in my son's court as far as changing uh, willingness to change his behavior. So I don't, I, I don't mean to under, disagree with your counselor, yeah. but your counselor is wrong. Um, and first of all, let's start with the fact that he is in ninth grade. He has been through a divorce. He is a baby. Okay, and I know there are people out there going, he's in ninth grade, he should take responsibility. No, a lot of people get trapped in exactly the age they experienced a great loss or a trauma. So whatever age he was when you got divorced, he's still dealing with that hurt in that place. And he can't do this by himself. You would not put a baby in a room and say, oh, eventually they'll learn to walk without encouragement, without support, without letting them know what the guidelines are. And that's what's being suggested here, and that's downright frightening. I mean, I understand that clients don't always represent what their counselors tell them um, accurately. That happens to be plenty of times. Um, but but based on what you're saying, that, that advice is, is the worst possible advice you can get. It undermines you as, as, as a mom and the power that you have, the ability you have to be able to support and help your child through this. And it's leaving your child with no skills whatsoever. Um, yeah, there's no 15-year-old in the world who finds something that helps them feel better who will give it up willingly. Um, it's up to you, the mom, to create a structure that will help him be healthy. It's up to you, the mom, to set limits that he won't like, but that will enable him to be healthy. You know, when you say, I try to take away his phone and he, he gets volatile, so what? You're the mom. You need to be stronger than that. And if you're not, then you need to be working with somebody who can help you be that, not somebody who is enabling you to be a weak and ineffective parent. Um, I, I, you admit that you don't have the parenting skills to handle that. And, and I, I, think I, I think that's, that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's heroic to admit. That's courageous to admit. But then you say to yourself, so what's the next step? Right. How do I get those skills? Not, I don't have them, so I'm just going to give up on myself and, and my and child. A that, counselor that cannot enable you in that, right? You need to be working with the therapist to figure out how to be stronger for your son, how to not be intimidated by the fact that he gets angry when you try to set limits, because 100% of children in the world get upset when their parents try to set limits. Also, how to build a relationship with him, that you can actually build a relationship where you have rituals and routines throughout your day, where you connect with each other. You know, part of the video gaming problem is that often, and even the phone addiction, is often that this is how kids get their relationships now. They're texting each other all day. They're talking to each other while they're gaming. And you need to replace all that relationship with a strong, healthy, loving, supportive relationship with you. You've both gone through trauma. You with your divorce and dealing with your ex husband who's a narcissist he being in the midst of being a child in all of that you both deserve a healthy happy relationship with each other but he's not going to do it i mean the, the fundamental flaw that you're making and thinking here is that somehow you can convince him to take responsibility for his stuff and just do this on his he's 15 there's no 15 year old who's going to be able to do this you're saying you don't have parenting skills he has no skills maria zero skills in life he can't support himself he can't he doesn't know how to clean a house. He doesn't know how to move on to the next. But there he is certainly nothing. doesn't know how to cope with all of his emotional stuff. Exactly. And so, and so he's grabbing onto video games to do that. He needs to, he needs to see that mom is strong enough to help me with my feelings. And you're not right now. 
So the answer is not getting rid of him because that just says that you, you know you, you're you're going to give up on him. In fact, it's going to make it worse because he's going to lean farther you into him, that. Addiction. You send him to go live with his narcissistic father. You're you're, you're going to ruin him for life. I mean, you're going to lose him for life, and then he's going to you're going to lose any chance that you have of have, raising a healthy person. I want you to pretend for the rest of the time of you fixing this that your ex-husband is dead. You know, if if he wasn't there, you'd say, well, I got to do something because I'm his only parent. In this circumstance, you are his only parent and you will bring great healing to yourself and your family if you do family counseling, if you get the parenting skills you need, if you continue your own personal counseling with somebody who's going to teach you skills and help you heal. Find an effective parenting course in your in your, in your area. Find a family therapist who is trained in family therapy that will work with the both of you. If this therapist is not empowering you to be a more effective mom and just saying nonsense like the 15-year-old needs to make up his own mind to take care of himself, get a better therapist because that therapist has no idea what they're doing. Thank you for the call. 877-573-7825. I want to be clear here. I'm not upset with Maria. I know I sounded no, a I'm, no, I'm upset that anybody would give that kind of advice uh, to, to somebody. And again, I, I understand because I've had clients misrepresent what I've told them. So I, I'm not saying I know for sure what's going on there. But if anybody ever tells you that a 15 year, it's up to a 15-year-old to get their own act together, they're wrong. And if a professional tells you that, they're irresponsible and incompetent. And I will add to this. When we're talking about children, please understand that time is ticking. This child is a freshman in high school. If he is indeed 15 years old, she's got three years where she has any power over him at all. And then the law says, we don't have to tell you anything, mom. You have no control. And with a child who's dealing with addictions, emotional pain, anything in that realm, you are running against that clock. So you have to move yourself into a situation that supports you building a real relationship with that child, a healthy one, and helping them have the structure they need. All right, we've only got a minute left. And, and as, as we're wrapping up the show, if, if you're in a relationship with somebody with an addiction problem, whether that's a addiction to chemicals or a, a dealing with compulsive behaviors like gaming or pornography, or uh, if, especially if it's an intimate relationship, you are a spouse or a child uh, or in a close relationship with somebody who is dealing with these things, you, it's almost always necessary for you to be getting help to learn how to be helpful to them because you trying to do it on your own uh, will, will always um, result in us defaulting to making allowances being generous being compassionate but in ways that don't that aren't really compassionate when you're in a relationship with somebody who is an addict or has compulsive behaviors you need to learn how to be a lot tougher than you've ever been before uh, and you need to learn how to do that charitably and we do a lot of that work through Pastoral Solutions. If you'd like to work with one of our professional Catholic counselor to, counselors to help you discover ways to set more effective boundaries while still re respecting the integrity of your relationship, I hope you'll reach out to us at catholiccounselors.com to learn more about the ways that we can support you in finding graceful solutions for supporting the people that you love who are struggling with an addiction. You can learn more at catholiccounselors.com, and we hope to hear from you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Get out there and celebrate the life God has for you, because you know what? With His grace, there really is so much more to life. Have a blessed day. You've been listening to More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popcheck. 
More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Dan McGraw. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net.